0: Hi, thanks for joining me again, Gary Zacharias with The Apologist Bookshelf. In the last podcast, I covered one half of a chapter dealing with hell. This is coming from the book Immortality, The Other Side of Death by Habermas and Morland. It's now called Beyond Death, in case you're looking for it. You can probably find it under this old title, but uh, the new version is called Beyond Death. So we covered the first half, talking about the justification of the belief in hell, some reasons to believe in it. And then I want to do the second half of this chapter. It's so rich. There's so much information. I just felt like I couldn't get through it all in one podcast. So this deals with some objections to hell, the idea of hell, and they take on these objections. So here's one. There are a group of people called Universalists, and they think God is going to reconcile everything to himself, including all individuals, which means that even in the afterlife, God is going to draw people to himself. Now, they use, uh, people who are universalists, use several arguments, Habermas and Moreland say. One argument is that the doctrine of eternal banishment is immoral and it's unjust. They also say that the doctrine of eternal banishment is incompatible with some of God's attributes. I mean, after all, isn't he supposed to be a God of love and mercy? His mercy would triumph, wouldn't it, over human resistance? And then they say certain Bible texts seem to be in favor of universalism. And I'll just rattle these off real quick. You can look them up on your own. But Acts three twenty one, Romans five eighteen, and Romans eleven thirty two, First Corinthians fifteen twenty two through twenty eight, Ephesians one ten, and First Timothy two four. So there are the three big arguments. One is it's immoral and it's unjust. Number two is God has attributes that seem to argue against eternal banishment. And finally, they say there's some biblical texts that uh, favor their view. So how about the first argument? It's unjust, it's uh, unjust to do this, to banish people forever. But they said, no, the state of hell is fair, and it's actually an indication of human dignity. Heaven is just unsuited for certain types of people. I think about uh, Christopher Hitchens. Now, this is me talking, not uh, Habermas or Morland, but I think about Christopher Hitchens. He called God a North Korean dictator. Can you imagine if he was dragged up to heaven and sat there having to worship this God that he detests and hates? So people can freely resist God. I'm back to the book again here. And God is not going to extinguish people of intrinsic value. It's sad, this eternal punishment, but you can't confuse sadness with injustice. Uh, There are possibilities of real eternal gains in this life, and that can bring the possibility of real eternal loss. So they already covered this, so they spend very little time on this first idea that it's unjust to have eternal banishment. Let's go to the second argument that was raised by the Universalists, God's attributes, right? He's a God of love, he's a God of mercy, so he wouldn't banish people forever, would he? But they said, you know, Power is great. God is all-powerful. That's true. But all the power in the world can't guarantee a free choice will be a good one. That's a logical contradiction, isn't it? To say it's a free choice, but I will determine it. Now it says uh, hell, in some sense, seems like a defeat to God. His desire is to save all people, but it's not a defeat. It's a quarantine. It respects freedom and dignity of his image bearers. And it separates hell from his special presence in the community of those who love him. So what about this business of divine love? Well, resistance to love does not always break down. Love, even divine love, can't coercively guarantee a proper response to it. You can't love somebody into hell, out of hell. You can't strong-arm them out of hell. So those are two reasons they say the universalists are not correct. What about Bible passages? Does it teach universalism? I mentioned some of those. They said no. There are actually some that very clearly contradict universalism. So once again, let me uh, rattle off some of those. Matthew eight twelve, Matthew twenty five thirty one to forty six, John five twenty nine, Romans two eight through ten, Revelation twenty verses ten and fifteen. And it says, you know, you really have to look very carefully at those passages that appear to support universalism. Either they are teaching what God's desire is, without saying what's really going to happen. Or they're describing not the ultimate reconciliation of all of fallen humanity, but a restoration of divine order and a rule over creation taken as a whole. So they said, you know, universalism is really not an adequate stumbling block to belief in hell. So I thought that was a good point. What about another issue that they deal with? They said, well, you know, do people get a second chance after death? They said, no, the Bible's pretty clear. That's not the case. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. But is that fair? And they say, yes. For one thing, certain passages indicate God gives people all the time they need to make a choice about eternity. Take a look at Second Peter three nine. So I'll skip over that one. Here's another factor to deal about this second chance after death. They say it's arguable that people don't have the ability to will or even choose heaven after death. I mean, what's happening in this world? We are shaping our character moment by moment in all the choices we make. And we are forming our character more and more. And each choice we make is moving us either closer to God or away from God. And then as our character grows, some choices are going to become possible and those will be impossible. The longer people live in opposition to God the harder it's going to be for them to choose to turn that around. I think that's really a good point. I'm, I'm always so surprised when I hear about people who are on their deathbeds and you think, gosh, you know, wouldn't they want to get their salvation squared away before they die? And oftentimes they don't. And I think, well, but they're staring eternity in the face. But they've made choice after choice after choice through life. And it's creating almost like a hard shell around them. And they said, uh, I'm back to Habermas and Moreland, they said that's one of the reasons most religious conversions occur early in life. Um, Those who claim God has created purgatory forget two things. First, purgatory seems somehow to imply God is lax and didn't do all that he could to save people on this side of death. And uh, the doctrine of purgatory fails to acknowledge that the longer a person is away from God, the harder it is for that person to turn around and head toward God. They say, well, you think the shock of judgment after death would be what people would need to push them over the edge and cause them to respond if they got a second chance. But again, that seems to imply that God didn't deal fairly and earnestly with them in this life. I mean, people who would choose heaven in a second chance after death would probably not really be choosing heaven. They're just trying to avoid death. But heaven is for people who really would like to be there. Here's another issue that's brought up about the idea of hell. Maybe God annihilates people who don't go to heaven. and so that's actually becoming a slightly larger number of people who will back that belief. Sometimes it's called conditional immortality or annihilationism. These terms are synonymous. So annihilationists seem to seem to believe that everybody survives death, and they participate in the final resurrection, but the judgment passed on unbelievers is not forever being in hell, but extinction. So, non Christians, they do get everlasting punishment. It's not everlasting punishing. So, their judgment, annihilation, lasts forever. So, they said, you know, some actual solid evangelical Christians have defended the view. And they said, uh, but they said, we need to make sure, as we're talking about this, we understand that hell is not a place where God is actively torturing people forever and ever. It says it's really a, a a torment as far as being banished from heaven. So it's anguish. It's not God inflicting torture on these people. So he said throughout history, the vast doctrine of hell has been embraced by the by a huge majority of theologians. It says, if you just read Scripture straightforwardly, that's what you're going to come to. It says, look at some of the passages that seem to have images implying everlasting, unending, conscious existence. They talk about, for example, everlasting fire. It won't be quenched. The worm never dies. It suggests that the final judgment is constant, and it's conscious, and it's everlasting. Look in Isaiah 33:14. Who among us can live with a continual, bracket, everlasting burning? You got uh, Isaiah 66:24, Matthew 3:12. You got Mark 9:42 to 48. I mean, look at Mark 9, for example, in 47:48. It warns that offenders will be cast into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. That sounds like a judgment that goes on and on and on. Uh, the Hebrew word. Olam and a Greek word Ionios are translated as eternal, everlasting. So it says that that's seventy-one times Anios is used in the New Testament, and it says it seems like an unending period of time. And Daniel twelve two says, Many of the people who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt in Matthew 25:41 Jesus says depart from me into the eternal fire and they'll go away into eternal punishment etc cetera, etc cetera. and they the annihilationists uh, work around that they say well yeah divine punishment is endless but it's endless punishment but not the punishing that is punishment is extinction and that goes on forever but the passages in Daniel and Matthew, Habermas and Marlin say, make it clear the final states of the just and the unjust are just like each other. Both are conscious, the good as well as the evil, continuous modes of living for both. So I think that's a really good one to argue about. Uh, let me see if there's anything else we want to talk about here. I don't want to spend a lot more time on this, uh, but I think it's really important to. They take on some verses here. Uh, some arguments. It says, let's delve into some of the main arguments for annihilationism and consider the flaws. And I don't think I want to do all of those right now, so I may skip over those. I can do them some other time. So they spent a lot of time doing that, and I think they do an excellent job. A final question remains, why did God create people whom he knew would not choose him? Well, God can't guarantee that a free creature would accept Christ. That's what it means to be free. So out of all the possible persons God could have created or did create, he knows some are going to reject Christ no matter what the circumstances are. Maybe there's no world that God could have created in which all people would freely receive Christ. So I think that's an interesting comment to make. That's something people can bat around forever. Um, So toward the end of the chapter here, it says, uh, we've looked at the traditional Christian understanding of hell. We've responded to alternatives and objections. As said, it's basically an intellectual approach. But I said, you know, we really shouldn't treat the doctrine of hell in a cold, uncaring way. Hell may be justified, but how sad it is for God and for people who love other people. Hell's, hell is going to remind us of the significant uh, significance of human life and choices and how important choices are. It's going to be a eternal memorial to the tragedy of bad choices. So people who love Jesus have to get going, they say. We've got to get about the task of taking the gospel to the world. It's not just intellectual assent. We need action as appropriate response to the Bible's teaching about hell. And I would say amen to that. So that's the book, Imm- Immortality, Other Side of Death. Uh, something hard to think about, but something important that uh, we need to think about as well.